Welcome back to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, the podcast for HVAC contractors who are ready to quit screwing around and begin growing their business. My name is Eric Thomas, and I am the host of the show. And this podcast is powered by Rival Digital, which is a full-service digital marketing agency for HVAC contractors. What's going on, everybody? Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to talk to you about Service World Expo 2021. It's coming up from September the 21st through the 24th in Louisville, Kentucky, and you guys are not going to want to miss this conference. It is going to be the conference of the year. Trust me, there's going to be over 2,000 contractors there. There's going to be dozens and dozens of partners and other vendors there. There's going to be breakout sessions, workshops, and some special keynote speeches, and you're going to walk away with the knowledge and the insight that you need to grow your business in 2022. So if you want to learn more, head over to serviceworldexpo.com and register today. I'll see you there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. My name is Eric Thomas. I'm the host of the show. And today we're joined by Sean Callahan and Drew Clark from Central Cooling and Heating. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Great, Eric. How are you? I'm good, Eric. How are you? Awesome. Doing great. So, Sean, why don't you go ahead first and introduce yourself uh, to our listeners and and tell them a little bit more about what you do for the company. Great. Thanks, Eric. Uh, My name is Sean Callahan. Uh, My title here is Director of Sales and Marketing. My responsibilities are uh, global for sales and global for marketing, uh, basically looking to take a family-held business that's been around since 1966 and um, take it through growth mode. Uh, We're on track this year to do just a little bit under $20 million in total sales. And uh, together with Drew's help, we're looking to uh, take a business that has an existing model that works really well and update some of the techniques and approaches that we have for both sales, marketing, and, um, you know, using technology to kind of keep an eye on all of it. Uh, It's been pretty successful to date. Uh, We got underway at about, I'd say, the last day of November together. And we're up year over year about a million and a half in sales. Nice. Cool. That That's awesome. So, Drew, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself as well? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Eric. Uh, office manager here at Central Cooling and Heating in uh, Woburn, Massachusetts. Um, I help shore up and, and help run the operations inside of the company, um, as well as help Sean with uh, some marketing, uh, mostly social media marketing and that sort of stuff and trying to uh, build a bigger pr- uh, presence on social media specifically. Um, but yeah, just trying to uh, shore up uh, an already existing model internally um, inside the office, customer service, that sort of stuff to uh, make things more efficient as well as um, just make sure that customers are getting the best customer service that we can possibly offer. Nice. So you guys are in Massachusetts. So uh, my next question, I hope I hope is a simple answer. Are you guys Red Sox fans? Yes, sir. Oh, good deal. Okay, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, especially this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they're doing great this year. Uh, yeah. I love the Red Sox. I got some family that lives up there in, in Massachusetts, uh, in Tingsboro, and I've got some in Lowell as well. I'm not sure if y'all service that area uh, or Lowell. not. Lowell. Yep, definitely Lowell. Um, Tingsboro, I don't believe we do. Yeah, I think Tingsboro is closer to like New Hampshire yeah. uh, and a different side of the state. So anyway, so Sean, getting back into uh, some of that growth that you guys have uh, been recently seeing year over year, what's been the main driver of that? 
you know, the main driver, in my opinion, um, has been understanding who we are and really being able to synthesize that and tell the world who we are. We're different than other companies. The way we attack it is completely different. Um, the, the approach that we've taken is we're letting our customers tell people we're really driving people to, um, you know, the Google reviews, Google My Business page, and really let our work do the talking for us. Um, there's, you know, multitude of approaches that were here when Drew and I started, and it's it's interesting to see the way that they were attacking it and having such great success. Um, Drew and I are big fans of social media marketing and letting people um, understand us, you know, for who we say we are. We do use some traditional marketing, um, you know, on the internet, on the radio and the like. We find that to be more brand awareness. Uh, one thing that Drew and I have been pushing for the past seven months is being able to be accountable in metrics. You know, how many leads do we get? What do we do with our leads? How many leads do we need to run our salespeople? And what streams and avenues bring us the best results? Uh, we've just recently implemented Salesforce here to track all that. And uh, we've really taken a super successful company and begun to give it some data to get us out of the anecdotal and into the provable. That's awesome. I, I'm not sure if I've ever spoken with anyone on on this podcast, at least, who uses Salesforce. Uh, so I'd like to just hear a little bit more about how you all implemented Salesforce into your operations. Well, to be fair, um, I think a lot of um, companies do have other sorts of CRMs that are somewhat mm -hmm. out of the box package type systems, um, which, you know, I feel is a Band-Aid. Uh, the owners of the company and the general manager were extremely generous in budgeting for us the resources to go out and tackle something like this. You know, with Drew's help, we have hours and hours and hours into forming a system that, mim you know, it mirrors and mimics the way we operate. We run a different type of uh, sale. You know, we sell on value. We're not in a race to the bottom. So for people that we can't help, you know, we appreciate that. We appreciate that our prices when it comes out for a total cost for the service and the install and, you know, what you're getting from us, you know, we know that we're going to be on the higher end, but at the same time, we tell people that out of the gate, uh, I think bringing Salesforce in for us gives us the opportunity to have all of our customers visible throughout the process. You know, where are people in the process? Where are we losing people at the process? A lot of people talk about marketing and sales as, you know, these ultimate wins and these ultimate highs, the easiest way to grow a successful business is to take the peaks and the valleys and shave them off, right? How can we get people more towards the middle, you know, somewhat like a sign and a cosign? You can't always have the ups and the downs. Uh, Salesforce was a big decision for us. Like I said, you know, we've been around since 1966. Um, Drew and I are easily the, you know, the quote unquote newest employees at the company. Um, and it, it shows that there was a strength of conviction to evolve with the times, you know, things that we talk about with marketing, we talk about Google, my business and reviews and how do we get people to come and contact us? Is it via text? Is it via email? You know, how do people find us? All of those different streams we have pouring in the Salesforce, pouring into our call center. And we can see where folks are in the pipeline as they come through, you know, the, it's an interesting question how we came to be here. Um, I think it was a really bold choice by the uh, sales manager who was here before us because most folks in our you know industry are going with a service Titan or something out of the box. And it, it's just not really set up for sales. It's set up for service people or service tech itself. 
And, yeah. you know, although that is a part of our business, it's, it's not, you know, most of our business come from traditional salespeople who in our uh, case are actually project managers too. Um, and we needed something to mirror us. We weren't going to back into some system haphazardly and make it happen. Yeah. So what's been the general reaction from, you know, some of the other stakeholders of the business since implementing Salesforce? Has it been pretty positive? Well, you know, it's funny, you mentioned stakeholders and you know, this is a podcast about HVAC and sales and marketing in this aspect. Yeah. You know, Drew and I have a huge responsibility to stakeholders above us, but we also have a massive responsibility to stakeholders below us who count on us to deliver. Um, mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, the, the largest sale we made this year as a company was to selling to the salespeople that, you know, this is the way forward for us. You know, salespeople want to earn more income. They don't want to work a thousand more hours and they want to be treated with respect. And, you know, that sale and, you know, again, it was critical to have um, Drew, who's very tech savvy here to help roll this out. It was critical to have the salespeople um, want to undertake the change. Uh, the stakeholders who are above us, the general manager and the owners, you know, they're really keen on not losing who we are as a brand as we evolve to be more technology or more technologically savvy. Yeah, I've found that, too, uh, just with interactions with some of our own clients here and and just from talking with other companies that the hardest sale to make sometimes is to um, your sales team, your CSR team. Um, you know, some of those, the other people internally who are just, you know, they want to do it the way that it's always been done or they don't want to change, uh, even though they, they can't see the end, uh, the end goal. Um, so we actually, we have a question in the comments here. We'll go ahead and, and show this. Uh, so Zach Miller says, was it difficult to make the move to analyze more and make decisions off of those data points? than just winging it like you mentioned before? Um, no, um, I don't think uh, it was difficult. I actually think it's comforting in as much as the, our business is, it is what it is, right? It'll, if Drew and I get hit by a bus tomorrow, you know, our business will make it because we have a fantastic model and, you know, that's the basis point. So, Having the model, having, you know, just having the support of the management team to actually, you know, get after it and figure out what we want to see. It wasn't difficult, you know, developing it, finding out how to get the data, finding out what's good data versus bad data. I mean, let's be fair. We work really hard um, at what we do. And ultimately, we work in a B2C business, right? The, The customers are either happy or they aren't. The solution either works or it doesn't. And our team is either good at what they do or they don't. We're just trying to find ways to make it easier and more profitable. So winging it probably isn't fair to say about our company, you know, prior to Drew and I coming here, because they do have techniques and approaches that are set in stone and they've been around forever. You know, cracking those, like getting a toehold and getting change to happen. I'd say that was difficult. But having Mm -hmm. data actually to report on and make decisions, I feel, you know, once the comfort level was there that the data is correct, it's, it's how, you know, when we could show people how we used to track it versus how we now track it and look, you know, the numbers match, it's not difficult at all. It's just getting to the yeah. level of being able to extract the data that you need. Yeah. And to piggyback a little bit on that as well, I think it, you know, largely 
is about workflow, both internally and externally. Obviously, externally, um, it's transparent if a company's workflow is all over the place um, because, you know, everything from the CSR to the sales guys, again, it's transparent if people don't have, you know, their stuff put together, so to speak. And, and so, you know, with the data and being able to make decisions off the data, it's also, you know, sometimes hard to analyze and, and measure the couple of minutes per day that these types of systems, Salesforce, um, we also are adopting DocuSign, which interacts directly with Salesforce, um, again, to make it easier both on our for our customers to sign contracts, um, both easier, it's more professional, you know, we're not using Word documents or anything like that, but also largely internal is, you know, the efficiency of it makes it so that, yeah, you know, it, it shaves off time on each procedure for CSRs, for sales guys and all different stuff, but it also to be able to accurately follow um, the workflow all the way through and, and come across as a well put together business that, you know, it allows our CSRs to maintain better customer service because the internal systems are easier to follow. The workflow, when it's easier to follow, is easier to focus on other things. So I think it, along with the data, you know, especially internally, it's, you know, it's a huge, you know, morale booster. But any smart person when, you know, again, to Sean's point, <laughs> the, the company was very successful before Sean and I got here and, you know, brought us in for new, fresh ideas and, and that sort of stuff. And any smart person would question new procedures that are going to be put into place because when you have procedures that are proven to be successful, you know, why would people come in and want to change those? But I think, you know, as they do adopt them and see over time that it's not just about the data, but it also, it feels better. It's easier to follow the work through uh, workflow. It's easier, you know, to maintain a, a high level of customer service that we as a company, Central Cool and Keating pride ourselves on. Um, I think it just naturally over time is, is easy to, uh, to maintain a positive attitude through those sorts of changes. Yeah. So, so from a marketing standpoint, uh, Drew, what's, what's been the biggest push lately uh, and how, how's it gone? Yeah. Uh, I think that the biggest push would be, you know, where through data and analyzing, I think we're starting to see, um, especially in the 21st century that, you know, SEO and, and paper clicks are not only expensive, but, um, you know, now more than ever, social media is, you know, rampant and it's running like crazy. And, you know, switching from something that does cost a lot of money, like SEO and paper clicks to something that, you know, you can market for, uh, for free on social media. Uh, you know, I think pairing with SEO and paper clicks, social media has been one of the biggest push. Um, pushes because you know 21st century we need to keep up to date we have a lot of leads that come in through facebook messenger um sean's worked very hard with google my business so like the main google page um, for customers to be able to reach out as easily and efficient as possible um so i think you know other than social media being the biggest push i think it would be the efficiency of how customers can reach us and how we can reach back out to customers because you know, I, I don't have the exact statistics, but the majority of the time, the, the company that responds first to a customer, especially a new customer, is the company that, that gains their business. So it's, yeah. again, going from external and internal. It's a healthy relationship between the two. Yeah, I, I've heard that that statistic actually on the show here. I think it was like the third episode we ever released. We recorded with Matt Miner from Hatch, which is a, a customer messaging tool. Uh, and he had shared that statistic during that episode. I'd have to go back and look look back on it, but it, it's a significant amount. It's like fifty eight to sixty percent, or something like that. 
the people that get back to him first. And you know, that, that's interesting that you mentioned that Facebook has been so big for lead gen. Uh, Cause I, I feel like a lot of people, they don't utilize Facebook and social media to the, like the most extent that they can for getting customers. They just use it just to ch- check awareness. a box. Yeah. To check a box yeah. and say, Oh yeah. yeah, we posted on there today. Um, yeah. So what, what are some of those like, some of the content or some of the strategy that you all use on Facebook that works pretty well for that. But yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead, Sean. I actually, I want to jump in. I, was, I, I think that, you know, one thing that, that Drew and I saw, you know, when we see Facebook advertise, we see a lot of people in, again, it's, it's a bandwidth thing. Who has the bandwidth to do all this, but you see a lot of people just doing generic canned, you know, happy 4th of July. And, you know, they're going to hit every single holiday with that. And, and that's fine too, because you get the touches, you get the touches, but mm-hmm. you know, Drew just had an amazing post on uh, Facebook the other day. It was a new service technician <clears throat> of ours. She's a very talented uh, young lady. Um, she flew up through the training ranks and, you know, she's already ready to go in her own truck, you know, and that was a post for us. And, you know, that's the kind of post that we're driving and we get good responses mm-hmm. on because it's not canned, it's not generic. It shows the world that while this company is definitely out in the forefront, you know, they have um, people who are not faceless and nameless and it really makes us accessible um, yeah. to the customer. And, you know, a post like that gets incredible interaction, you know, across the board too. Even if you were to put that on your Google My Business page, you know, people are drawn to stories like that, that, you know, they don't feel that are BS, right? You know, that that's real. We're proud uh, of, you know, the successes of our, you know, team members and our employees. Mm-hmm. And it shows. Um, I think that that's the kind of post that we're, you know, we're pushing towards. We're pushing away from the canned and more yeah. towards, you know, something that's worth interacting on. Because if you think about <clears throat> Facebook, we get outside of our concentric circle and, you know, say, for instance, Eric, you know, we post something about this podcast and you post something about it. Now I'm outside your podcast and any of your relatives up in Tingsboro who might be close to where we are gets out into their circle. You know, it, it really gets going like wildfire if you mm-hmm. have the right post, the right message. And, you know, it's like fishing. you got to use the right bait for what you want to come back to us. You know, one thing yeah. that we thought, you know, would be interesting talking about a seasonal business like ours is, you know, how do you market in the wintertime? When, you know, your service technicians are completely, totally out straight, you're spending marketing dollars like crazy and all you're getting is service leads when you desperately need sales leads. You know, part of Facebook and part of Google and part of other social media approaches are you're actually driving what type of business you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd love to talk on that a little bit more because we were, you know, before we started, we were talking about the seasonality um, up in Massachusetts, how you know, it gets hot for a little bit, everyone kind of floods in and then towards the end of summer, they just say, I ah, will, you know, we'll fix it next year. Um, so, so what's the seasonality look like for you all in Massachusetts and, and what's the, what's really the strategy for marketing that? Well, I think, you know, for, for central and for the way that we're looking at attacking it is trying to find ways to have a similar spend year over year, but increase results. So, you know, last year we had a very big spend um, in a campaign that was more about brand awareness, which is fantastic, but it's really hard to quantify what it netted us business-wise, right? You know, did, did you know, yeah, did the our views and interaction go up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But, 
you know, what's the ROI and the spend? And I think for us looking at it from a seasonality aspect, you know, we need to have some sort of control over costs. And the easiest way to have a control over costs is to spend money where you get a return. So right now at this time of the year, you know, offering rebates on air conditioning, it's, it's foolish. There's no need for it. Spending extra money on advertising, you know, for air conditioning is foolish. There's no need for it. You know, so how do we tactfully, you know, revamp what we found in the past where it was just a constant spend month over month over month and find ways to increase and decrease it early enough on the shoulder months to get a response. You know, right now we have a meeting uh, in mid to late August with a, a traditional marketing company for a big spend that we want to kick off, you know, just around Thanksgiving because we want to get out ahead of heating season. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're going to pretty much half the spend that we made last year and try and take the other half and invest it into Google and try to do some Google verified. You know, there's ways mm -hmm. in which that we can spend the same amount of money but drive more leads. And, you know, getting back to the point about seasonality, seasonality is important, but it's also important about, you know, what we can do, what we can offer. At this time of year, we can't offer too many more spots for people to install air conditioning. You know, we're booked out so far. So we're really in a position for capturing customers who have systems that still work but want to wait till the off season, right? So now we're getting mm -hmm. back into seasonally marketing, but marketing with messaging, right? You know, everything has to be nimble and able to pivot. You know, for us, yeah. finding yeah. people in the heating season who need heat, yeah, okay, it's cold up here, Massachusetts. People are going to find us. So how do we find people who aren't completely, you know, in dire need of a system, which we definitely want to find, but, you know, typically with our years in the industry and, you know, word of mouth, They'll find us. How do we find folks on the shoulder months to pull them in to stretch out our heating season, to stretch out our air conditioning season? Yeah, That's I think a huge part of that is. It. Yeah, I think a huge part of that is also education. And then when you're talking about educating the public, you know, you start to have the conversation of what's the you know what's the cheapest way to go about it. So to go back to to social media and you know paper clicks SEO or you know even direct mail campaigns, you know. If we're trying to educate people who aren't in dire need of air conditioning, you know, it's July 21st right now. How do we get the message across and educate them that it's not the best time to, to be installing AC with us when we're booked out, you know, in August? But the best time to do it is in the winter. You know, nobody wants to be without AC for two or three days during the summer, especially if it's, a, a, you know, a, a hot kick like we've had. We've had probably three or four heat waves this summer up here that are in the high nineties and, you know, instead wow. of being out of, you know, instead of being without air conditioning for those, the, those heat waves, the best time to do it is, you know, when you're not running it, which is the winter. And then it gets back to what's the cheapest way to do that. And, and one of the cheapest ways to do that would be through social media and through educating the public through social media and, you know, trying to get the point across that, you know, we want to help you. We want to have the capacity to help you. Um, but you know, the, the best time, if you're not, if your EC is not completely dead and you need a brand new system is to work with us during the winter to get that AC. Um, so I think it's, uh, you know, large part is, is educating the public as well. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard too, cause there's, there's equipment shortages right now, which I feel like almost everybody's experiencing. It seems like it's starting to finally come back around. Um, but you know, if, if, they get with you in, in January. My guess is that you guys will have an abundance of equipment as far as air conditioning systems and stuff that you could 
install for them rather than right now where you guys are booked out till August and you're ordering stuff weeks and weeks in advance. Um, and so they can even get that at almost at a lower cost too, if they come back in the winter time, I imagine, or at least, a less of a, uh, surge cost that some people charge. Well, it, it's interesting cause you know, it's, it's, it's twofold. So the benefit of an off season discount is definitely something that exists within the central realm. I mean, we mm-hmm. don't use surge pricing. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not really an approach we want to take. It's not really the model that we have. We are us, our install is us and people who want to work with us do. So mm-hmm. um, we don't use that. You know, another point, Eric, that people miss is that there just aren't enough young men and women in the trades to install uh, at the level that the need that the market has. So during the off season or the shoulder months, we offer an off season discount. You can pick the day, you know, right now you're not picking the day. I could be out serving two or three leads a day. You could be out serving two or three leads a day. And Drew could be out serving two, three leads a day. If someone can't make a decision today and two of my fellow salespeople convert, you know, 66%, there's four more truck days gone. You're already a week out and you didn't even do anything. It's, it's, it's competitive and it's not really by design. It's by demand. Yeah. So how do you guys go about hiring and, and retaining quality technicians and install crews? I'll let you yeah, take so, this one. Cause this yeah. is definitely right up his alley. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in charge of recruiting here. Um, and it's very challenging because, you know, especially my generation, um, I hear young guy as well. Even Sean's generation was told, you know, from an early age that it, the right thing to do with the right path is to go to college. And now we're starting to feel that and not just with labor shortage, but, you know, when we go to a homeowner's house and we change a part and it takes two or three hours and then we hand them the bill and, you know, their eyes get wide, like, what do you mean it's six, $700, you know, it shouldn't cost that much to replace it. Well, it's all based off of supply and demand. And if we had more young, you know, women and men in the industry to service people, you know, across the board, prices wouldn't be that high. And I think that's every trade industry, plumbing, electrical. I mean, not only is it hard to find contractors, but it also is expensive and it's only going to increase unless we push young women and men into the trades. Um, so the way to go about it is, you know, I've, Sophia, the the um, new technician that Sean was was talking about from our Facebook post, she came from a from an adult. She's actually you know in her 30s. She came from some sort of adult program where I basically did mock interviews for people who were looking to get into the trades and who wanted more information. And you know I you know I sat down with her, spoke with her, um, told her what HVAC in general has to offer, told her what central cooling and heating has to offer. Um, and through that, that gained your interest. But it's, you know, networking is probably the, the biggest thing. I mean, you have the traditional websites that every company is using right now, Indeed, ZipRecruiter. Um, you know, we have relationships with recruiters, um, you know, in, entire recruiting companies around the Boston and, and North Shore, Massachusetts area. Um, but even they are having a, a hard time finding experienced technicians, um, experienced yeah. installers, because for the most part, Every company right now knows that you have to train and retain your your talent because, you know, the, the pay scale is going up rapidly along with the, the shortage of workers because companies are having to pay ridiculous amounts of money um, to people who are willing to work hard and willing to learn and, and willing to put in the work to, to get, you know, educated and to become good technicians and installers. Um, yeah. So really, I would say our model is to train and retain. 
Um, since I've been here in October, you know, I've hired probably at this point nine to 11 different um, green is what we call them, you know, technicians to, we have a maintenance program. It's about an eight week program that you basically come in with either little or no experience. And we teach you about conventional systems, ductless systems, both oil and gas systems. Um, we're actually in the process of building out a whole training area. That's about um, oh, wow. 15, 20,000 square feet where it's going to have live units that can be worked on. Um, but basically at the end of the eight weeks, the goal is to, you know, get a technician or a new technician out into their own truck and, and start doing maintenances on systems that they've been taught to do throughout those eight weeks. Um, we have, you know, currently right now, I think we have five or 6,000 um, service contract customers that, you know, in wow. that service contract is included uh, maintenance per year. So at the end of the eight weeks, we get them in their own truck, start having them perform maintenances through maintenance performance. Naturally, you find parts and systems that need to be replaced or worked on. Um, so it's just little by little, you gradually build them up and, and train them and then show them through culture um, and appreciation that, you know, we want you here. You are important. You know, it's not just because you're hard to find, but it's also, you know, through our culture, we want to find and build people who enjoy working hard. You know, HVAC industry is it's no secret. It's tough. You know, you're in tight spaces, you know, hot spaces, you know, yeah. heights and stuff like that. And, and the people who want to put in the work and effort are going to get paid well. And, and we're trying to stay on top of that, you know, industry averages and industry standards. We're trying to be on the top scale of that kind of just like our, you know, our sales and, and install prices are because we're selling ourselves both internally and externally. Um, going back to that, it's, you know, we have uh, a certain way of doing things and a certain standard that we hold ourselves to. And, and that's, you know, some would say that's priceless, but, you know, there is a cost to it both internally and externally. Yeah. And, and I imagine, you know, everything ebbs and flows, you know, it'll go up and come down, go up and come down. The economy does it. Uh, the stock market does it. A lot of things do that. I imagine and I would love to be right on this because I'll, I'll come back in the future if this is correct and and grab this clip and say I said so. I imagine that there's going to be an influx here in the next five to 10 years where people are going to just say, like, all right, college is not worth it. I'm going to go learn a trade or I'm going to go start my own business or I'm going to go you know, do everything else but go to college and then there's going to be a huge supply of people looking for like trade jobs and uh, stuff of that sort where right now you're like like you said you either have to like you know hire them when they're green around the gills and 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 train them or you have to go find someone from another company offer them a sweeter deal or a hiring bonus or something like that just to get someone to come install systems yeah, absolutely. And in no way, shape or form was the pandemic a, a good thing to happen to any industry or anybody in general. But I think one thing that the pandemic you know, highlighted and, and brought to light was, you know, again, going back to Sophia, you know, mid 30s, she was in the restaurant industry for 15 plus years. And right after high school, she went into it. She was actually a manager of, of a catering business um, and she made the transition willingly. And, you know, she saw the the opportunity in the trades and, and she made the, the switch over to the trades industry and actually four or five other people that we hired throughout the pandemic, you know, it's, there's something, you know, if you're in a essential business and you don't have to worry about losing your job, there's something really to say about that. And then on top of that, the supply and demand driving the, the wages and salaries through the roof right now. Yeah. It's, you know, it's hopefully in the next five, 10 years, we see more and more young women and men get into the trades because, 
there is a lot to gain from it. It's skills um, that nobody can ever take from you. And, you know, in a world, especially right now, where everything can be found online and most everything can be found online for free, you know, not yeah. that college isn't worth it or anything like that. You know, I'm grateful I went. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think the pandemic highlighted now more than ever that you can make a fantastic living and have a great life and gain good skills through the trades and through other paths other than just college. Yeah. So when it comes to, and I, I was thinking about this when you're talking about your maintenance customers and you're sending them out on maintenance calls. When it comes to the service element of the business, do you all use Salesforce to oversee all of that as well? So Salesforce right now has been built out. Um, we're going to go customer facing all the way back to service. So we're starting with sales and marketing. Um, we're going to envelop the install crew next. And then, you know, once that's up and running proof of concept, we'll then go over to service. Um, yeah. It's not to scare anyone. You know, it's been a massive undertaking. Um, oh, yeah. I had some experience with Salesforce before in another company that I worked at. Um, it, it is a top of the line product for what you need to do, which is you really have to invest in it to get out of it what you want. I think that the service department um, will be looking for some sort of CRM in the near future. We have a module specifically reserved within Salesforce for service or service businesses. So it's there, it's ready to go. It just has to be built out. Uh, we also started developing Salesforce uh, in the off season and now we're right here in peak season and we're still somewhat tuning it up on the fly. Uh, yeah. I think we're going to be there, Eric. I think it's critical. You know, Drew mentioned something earlier that I think that when we talk about marketing and sales that we miss, you know, there's so many opportunities to show a customer that you care about them. And, you know, a, a simple example when thinking about it, you know, what do we do with our leads? You know, we have leads who are people, they're homeowners, they, they need us. So we look at them like that. And oftentimes we have project managers who are salespeople who are out visiting a multitude of people and things fall between the cracks. Salesforce has given us the opportunity to provide a backstop, which I think for the service department will be even more fortified, where if a customer calls in and said, hey, you know, Drew was out to my house. We looked at my system. He said he was going to get me a proposal. I haven't seen it. You know, right now we actually have the visibility to say, well, you know, Mr. Thomas, I'm glad that you called in. You know, Drew actually emailed you your proposal last week and he sent it to this address. I'm looking at it right now. You know, that's visibility that we didn't have eight months ago. That, that, mm -hmm. that phone call eight months ago, like, oh, Mr. Thomas, we let you down. We're so sorry. You know, this, that, and the other thing where we don't even know if that's true because it's impossible to tell. You know, we have yeah. the ability of taking our systems, our process that we have, and putting it out into the cloud of knowing that. And, you know, rolling that out to service will only help them to achieve so much time and it's made such a mm -hmm. better customer experience, not only for my customers who are all the employees that I'm responsible for, but all of the customers that I'm responsible for outside of Central. Yeah. And it also helps, too, to have that. It, it makes your entire operation more nimble and more agile because you're not having to deal with, like you said, you're not having to deal with printing off service contracts or, or you know, uh, contracts for sale or anything. You can put it in the cloud. It's all stored there. You don't have to... The, you know, fiddle around with printers and, and faxing and, and all this other stuff and getting people to sign it. Like with DocuSign, you can send a document out to them. And if they don't 
if they don't sign it, you can always like you can hit like the send notification or whatever, and it himself. like it, exactly. Himself. Yeah, we got to set it up right now. So every two days uh, after the the uh, project manager and salesman sends it every two days that uh, a customer doesn't open it or sign it, it, it pings them. It pings it's the genius. customer back and says, "Hey, you know, we're we're still here. We still want to help. You know, let us know what we have to do." Yeah, Eric, Eric, we built it out that after, you know, if Drew sent you an agreement and you authorized it and Drew signs it to execute the agreement, it goes right into Salesforce and it just lets the next person know that, hey, great news. We have an authorized, you know, a fully executed agreement ready to go, you know, awesome. down the line. It, it's like yeah. a relay race. Everyone just passes the baton. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's again, though, it's the workflow, you know, that automatic ping. Um, an automated system allows us to be more efficient on the internal system. And, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, that's huge because that, again, the transparency between us and customers, if, if we're right on top of things and we're showing them step after step that we not only care about their business, but we're doing everything we can to gain their trust um, and, and earn their respect. Uh, that's, that's huge. And, and again, mm-hmm. going back to brand awareness, that's how you build true brand awareness and, and get, mm-hmm. you know, the the referral business, which is still, probably you know one of the largest especially the largest free marketing tool but that's you know yeah. brand awareness and referrals are in an industry like hvc is is everything yeah well and and yeah if you if you give them a good experience we've been talking about customer experience on here a lot more lately even um and this is this has been awesome to talk about you know having that good customer experience is going to increase your chances of getting that word of mouth referral by at least you know, 50% because I'm, I'm certain that, you know, central could go and install a a furnace or, you know, or AC and it could do just as good of a job as the next company who installs the furnace or the AC that, you know, I'm sure that both, you know, companies could do a good job installing it. But what it comes down to after that is how did the customer feel during that interaction? How, you know, what was the taste that you left in their mouth? Were they happy with, the service was everything easy were you having to like hunt them down and get signatures was it you know annoying for them so having that all those systems in place to just make it like boom 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 whenever you know the agreements are going out and going into uh, salesforce and getting it scheduled that'll make it so much easier for the customer to tell their friends like yes central is a great company they will take care of you you know it'll you don't have to wait around forever it's, it's, it's pretty smart. And, you know, I, I, like I said, we haven't heard from a lot of people that are using Salesforce. Um, so major kudos to you all, because I know Salesforce is, is pretty powerful if used correctly. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate that. I have to tell you, um, we had, um, the ability this year to, um, really take a big leap forward by simply putting in a ton of elbow grease and effort. You know, if you, if you can somewhat plan where you want to be in the future, just like you would do in a regular business plan. And then, you know, we partnered with Salesforce. It was not inexpensive. And at the same time, you know, this isn't a commercial for them because I think what we partnered with them to do was to take our model and just show it off to the world. Uh, and we had a great result. I think if your model, if you know, you're another business and you're thinking about implementing CRM or bringing in something like Salesforce, you know, it really magnifies and reflects your model. If your model isn't set, if your goals and approaches and techniques aren't set, you know, keep in mind, you will be projecting that out to the world. You know, one thing that Drew and I work on is we always try to think, you know, hey, how does this look to someone who doesn't know a thing about HVAC? 
who's in a position of need and they're trying to make a choice between, you know, two, three, I mean, it, with the online bids, let's see, five companies, you know, mm-hmm. how do we stand out without, you know, wringing someone's arm at the table? You know, how do we just stand out by just the proof is in the pudding? Like, look what our customers say about us. You know, you were a referral, ask them about it. You know, most companies like ours fail within two years and we've been around since 1966. So, you know, I think that Drew and I are stewards of the model and we're just trying to, you know, really grow this business with the gift of having the talented people here and using our techniques and approaches and really hit it harder. Yeah. Yeah. You could definitely uh, package up that at least, you know, the modules or whatever that you all have created within that system and repackage that into, you know, another company, even you could probably make a lot of money off that (laughs) or Salesforce could at least. I'm sure (laughs) they're looking right now. Eric. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they are because, you know, there are, um, you know, I know we mentioned some of the other CRMs out there, like uh, there's like Service Titan and House Call Pro. And, you know, those are great for, you know, for contractors that are just wanting to get, you know, what they need um, or, you know, get some type of fixed model. That they, the basics. Yeah, the basics of, of what they really need to service their customers. Um but with Salesforce, like literally the sky is the limit. You can develop anything in there that you can possibly think of. Um, whereas with some of these other ones, it requires like complex third-party integrations that are sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Um, and so that I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's been awesome. Uh, I, I know I don't want to take up too much more of y'all's time. So um, before we go, I want to ask one more question to each of you, uh, and then we will wrap up. So um, – a lot of our listeners out there are smaller contractors, usually one to three man shops, um, which is why it's awesome to have, you know, big successful companies like yours on here. So Sean, if you know, if you were talking to a contractor out there, just getting started off, what's some advice that you would give him or her uh, to grow their business? You know, first and foremost, I I would tell them that, you know, no matter what they do, you know, to believe in themselves and find people who believe in them to move forward, you know, having a, an employee who is a partner is far more important than an employee who is a liability. I think if you have people like that, then moving forward is next, you know, what's your plan, where do you want to be, and breaking it out into the specific metrics that you need. Now, I, you don't need to get too deep into it, but it's as simple as this. For Drew and I all day long, how do we need, how many leads do we need that turn into how many appointments that close at so many, uh, you know, percentages of closing rates, which leads close higher than other leads, and then you boil it down and you figure out how many of each you need, and then you work the plan, Um, you know, dependable and repeatable. There's a lot of gimmicks out there. Um, There's a lot of products out there that offer ways in which you know, you can somewhat cheat. There's no way to cheat. If you know your numbers, you can do anything you want. And you really can't do it by yourself because you you have to really have a force multiplier, right? Like, you know, could Drew do what he does without the people who help him? Could I do what I need to do without Drew's help? Absolutely not. You need to have, you know, men and women you trust. And, you know, looking from us up to management, you know, we try to attack it where, you know, they give us our marching orders and you know, their support and they let us get after. And I have to say, if I was starting, you know, a a company with one to three to five employees, 
want to hire people who I can partner with and say, hey, listen, you know, here's the ball, run with it. You know, you need to find a way to get your women and men to give you what you need. And it can't be a scam. If it's unattainable, no one's going to stretch for it. If it's attainable and you can do it dependably and repeatedly and you reward your people, it, it just happens on its own. And I know that sounds pie in the sky, but the hard part is knowing what you want to do, finding the people to do it, and then giving them the ball, letting them run with it, and being able to trust them. That's the difference between being a one to five man shop, a five to ten man shop, and then growing into you know a company like ours. We're not the largest, but even you know we're looking to grow, and we're doing the same thing over and over, finding great new talent, giving them enough room to get out there and do it, and at the same time supporting them. Like our salespeople can only close so much. Humans make mistakes. You know, you got to be there for when people make mistakes and buff them out. Everything's buffing them out. You just got to find a way to make them better. Yeah. Awesome. Drew, and uh, usually I just ask one final question. So this is cool that I get I get to ask two of y'all. I'm going to ask a separate question for you uh, just as like a bonus. Uh, when it comes to social media uh, for contractors, what do you think is something that um, they can do to generate more leads off of, you know, off of Facebook, um, some content ideas that you think that would work really well for someone that doesn't, you know, can't afford to hire someone internally or externally and is doing it themselves. Yeah. So social media doesn't have to be something that takes up a lot of your time. So through Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, you can actually create a marketing schedule where you, I mean, if somebody wanted to sit down one afternoon and come up with some good content and, you know, take four or five hours, come up with, you know, your next month's marketing schedule. It, you know, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube will post those on time when they're, you know, directed to be posted and, and keep, you know, keeping the content fresh about it. Uh, you know, I think largely it's also about integrity and what your base business model is as well. Like, you know, the going back to the Sophia post, you know, that isn't, that wasn't a marketing driven post. That's uh, you know, we truly, uh, well, I posted it <laughs> again, but I posted it truly because, you know, we appreciate her attitude. We appreciate her motivation. You know, that was an employee oriented post. And, and through that, you, you organically gain the following, you organically gain the, you know, the um, quote unquote contact. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what it's about. I think that, you know, it's the same thing. If a telemarketer calls and you answer, you can pick up right away whether or not they're reading off a script. If you look at a company's social media or their marketing in general, you can you can tell, you know, you can sort through through the fluff of it. You can tell if somebody just is going about their business. They, you know, they're not putting a lot of time and effort into it. They don't have a real model surrounded you know, a real model based around integrity or what their model is. I think that it's just basically figuring out what you're trying to achieve, but also it's, you know, it's integrity and it's, it's showing your employees that you appreciate them, your, your customers, you appreciate them, the community that you appreciate the ability to operate within it and that you're there for them. Um, and and the rest will organically come. Um, but you know, through that model, it doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to be time consuming. It's just figuring out the right way to, you know, it's figuring out your own way, you know, a unique way to go about it that, that will make, you know, come with the organic results. Yeah. And you, you got to keep trying and, you know, trial and error until you find what kind of content sticks. And that's, that's one thing that, you know, I see a lot of people struggle with is just posting. Like it's like they're afraid to, you know, I, 
when I first started this podcast, I mean, we've got two people watching it live right now. When I first started this podcast, I was like, I don't want to put my face in front of the world and be talking. I hate the sound of my voice, but now I'm like, I don't even care anymore because people listen to this. Like we have over a thousand listeners a month now on the podcast. Like people are listening to what we have to hear. If I had just kept saying, oh, I don't want to do that because like, eh, no one wants to hear what I have to say. No one would have ever heard what any of us have to say. We've had 51 episodes now and no one would have ever gotten any of this information now. You know, if I just said, I don't want to do that. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the hardest step as well is just posting, figuring out something to post and just doing it and seeing if it works or not. Um, so guys, this is, this has been an awesome episode. I, I really appreciate you all taking some time out of your day, uh, to join me. So, um, for all listeners out there who want to learn more about central cooling and heating, what is a way that they can uh, get in touch with you all? I think the best way would be to go to our website, www.centralcooling.com. And if you can wait about a week and a half, you'll see our brand new website that uh, Drew and I have been working on in the background. So about two weeks we go live with our new site. It's, um, awesome. Business. Yeah, that'll be great. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to check it out whenever it goes live. Awesome. Well, I hope you all have a great afternoon and a great rest of your day. And uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, Eric, thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. Absolutely. All right. We appreciate it. Yeah, be well. Take care.